Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hey guys, it's your homegirls. We are here today with the amazing Brendan Bartik out of Denver, Colorado. Brendan is a national real estate coach, trainer, and is the founder of the Brendan Bartik Real Estate Coaching Company. He has sold over $1 billion, with a B, dollars in residential real estate volume over the course of his career. He's also the owner of the number one real estate team in the Denver metro area, a top listing agent, and um, the operating principal of the Keller Williams office in Cherry Creek, correct? That is all correct. Yeah, Jessica, thanks awesome. for having me on. I'm excited to be here with all of the uh, homegirls. <laughs> Let's just kind of jump right into it. I've personally heard you, and I can't remember if I heard you speak, or maybe we were like sitting at like a Keller event at a bar together and I heard your story. Um, so I know your story and think it's phenomenal. So let's just start with your story. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, like my story story, or my real estate story. Let's start with your, I think they're by, kind of intertwined. So I think let's start kind of kick it old school back at the beginning. And Okay. Yeah. Well, as fast as I can say it. So, so yeah, where I draw a lot of my inspiration from and the reason I'm so passionate about real estate and especially being a powerful listing agent is that uh, at age 11, I went into the social service system. Uh, my parents, unfortunately, weren't um, fit to take care of me at that time. Uh, the third way center is uh, the charity that took me in and I eventually emancipated out of that organization uh, into the US Army. Uh, after the US Army, I ended up working at Ritz-Carlton Hotel Companies, which was a weird and interesting combination uh, because very different, different planets there. But the Ritz-Carlton company really refined me on trying to understand what client anticipation is, which I, I try to teach a lot of, and how data on every guest and every client is so important to make sure that they have an exceptional experience. Uh, I also went overseas. I worked for Halliburton and did uh, housing in Iraq and Kuwait, which was you know very interesting during when we were removing Saddam. But my passion is I came back and I was going to go into property management because I thought that's what I should be doing and ended up going to real estate school. And the guy that was teaching real estate school said, you talk way too much to be in property management. He was like, he was like, you talk way too much. You need to go into regular sales. So I ended up going to work for a, a top producer uh, as her personal assistant, made $8 an hour for about a year and a half learned the business from the, the hardest job on earth is being a real estate uh, assistant, and then became an agent on her team, became an agent on my own, started my own team, and here we are today. So, so I've kind of been in every you know, role throughout the course of my career inside the real estate realm, and then decided and had the opportunity to, to purchase a brokerage, uh, which is a whole nother you know, beast in itself. And then once I got to a level plateau, I got attacked by a dog. Um, some people might know that story and he bit off my or bit my face. And so I couldn't talk for a while. And I realized that I had sold enough real estate out in the field 
that now was the time to put other people in danger and, and help them. No, just kidding. But put them out into that world so I didn't have to get attacked by dogs anymore. I've been attacked by a dog and a cat, actually, uh, which is a whole another random story. Yeah, animals just, and me, and I don't know. So <laughs> Were so you like on a listing presentation or like yeah. showing a house when this happened? Both times. Yeah, listing presentation, both times. The cat was... I was sitting at a, a table with the clients across from me and there was a long tablecloth and I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden this cat just bites into my calf and I thought I, I thought I got bit by a snake. So I jump, hit the table and I'm in, and, and I used to always wear like three piece suits on listing presentations because I really felt that like you're a walking billboard uh, and tears through my pants, I'm screaming and I'm literally like throwing this thing off of my leg. Uh, and the clients are like, oh yeah, we should have told you about her. She's a feral cat. Yeah, she sometimes does that. And, and I'm just sitting there bleeding. Anyway, didn't get the listing, uh, didn't offer to take or didn't offer to pay for anything or anything like that. So be careful, check under the tablecloth before you sit down at the listing appointment. You never know what could bite you. Um, I was just having this conversation actually the other day. I can't remember who I was talking to, but like I, it's weird to me how people don't prepare for someone being in their home. Like oh. I had one time, these people have like three, like thousand pound German shepherds. And I was wearing a really nice dress and they were jumping up on the back of my legs. And I was like bleeding all over their floor and they could care, could care less. didn't even care. Yeah. Or could like the less. best is when you sit down in the chair and it's like covered in like 10,000 pounds of cat fur Yeah, cat fur and you and just cheetah. know what you're going to look like when you stand up. It's so yeah. Gross. I always thought it was rude. I was like going to carry a little lint roller in my pocket and just be like, you know, just kind of, kind of <laughs> lay it out before I sit down. But, um, but you just try to go with it. Right. Especially dogs. And, and usually I've been in a thousand houses. They jump on, you're like, Oh, good boy good boy I'm like this is a you know a, not not a cheap suit but thank you for mudding it up that's great it really you know thank you so much and they just look at it and they're like are you okay with dogs I'm like I love them it's this is so fun <laughs> right so so it's wild out there I mean I, I tell people all the time the the random uh stories but that dog the the big dog that bit me was a, a pit bull um uh, that bit me uh, and jumped out the front door and bit my face. And luckily a plastic surgeon, you know, you know, 59 stitches later sealed it back together, but I couldn't talk. And that's what led me down the course of kind of having a time to, to look at it and go, you know what, I really have a passion for helping agents succeed. Um, can I do that in a format that I can give back and, and have, you know, other people have these exceptional lives because really real estate changed my world. It's the one profession I think that you can have where I don't care where you came from. If you're willing to take the time to learn the scripts, dialogues, and add in hard work, you can make a fortune. You can make a, if you, and if you have the right mentors and guidance and all of that, there's nothing else like it that I know of. And I always tell the story, I, mean, I have a GED. When I emancipated from, from the, the group home situation, I had a GED because I couldn't, I was in and out of so many group homes, I couldn't go to traditional high school. Um, so, so you know, what was I going to do? I barely got into the army. They don't even allow, I think, GEDs anymore in the army. And then when I got out, it was like, I need a profession that I can go into that traditional school isn't going to be the baseline measurement. So, so that's, that, that's, so everyone out there, I, I think that's what's so cool about this industry. It, it really is the American dream, as cheesy as that sounds. It's just, 
you've got to get, I always tell people too, you got to get through that first year, right? That first year is that, that, that hardest, hardest year of your life. But if you can make it through it, then the rest kind of starts to fall in place. I agree. Um, I have a question for you about um, your data collection that you were talking about um, that you learned from working at the Ritz Carlton. Um, how do you collect the data for your clients or on your clients? And what kinds of questions do you ask and what kinds of data do you um, collect? Like what is, what do you collect and why is it important? I love it, Angela. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. So when I worked at the Ritz Carlton, just so you know, behind the scenes, they have uh, what they call customer care cards. And so everyone from, I was a cabana boy, if you can imagine that, like it was like wearing white sneakers and I was putting up umbrellas. And so if you overheard, uh, and I had hair, so it was, it was a different, I didn't have to worry about skin sunburn as much now, but, uh, but if you overheard from a client that they happened to like uh, shrimp scampi, let's just say something like that. Well, you would fill out this card that they love shrimp scampi and you would turn it into the office. And then when the guest would go into our fine dining restaurant, the maitre d' would you know, introduce that to them and say, oh, and we have a wonderful shrimp scampi tonight. And they would be like, oh my God, that's my favorite thing. And so you're anticipating their needs, but this is all done behind the scenes digitally, which is so seamless. So with our real estate company, we break it down to our 33 touch system, which is a play from Gary Keller's Millionaire Real Estate Agent book. Ours is different than what he does in the book. So for us, 33 touches are 12 direct mailers, six quirky, six uh, informational. So every other month you're going right brain, left brain, 12 digital market reports. So your home snap, we use a company called Altos Market Reports, um, but whatever it is, a digital market report, four phone calls, one phone call every quarter for the rest of their life, period, end of story. And we can talk about what those calls sound like and you know some of the ideas. And then here's the big piece, the five personal touches. So five personal touches for us is what we believe is that secret sauce that is not like a boomerang card where I get a $5 discount for a blooming onion, right? That's not a personal touch. That's a blanket agent going, I'm lazy. Here's a boom. And people love them. I'm not down. Boomerang. Awesome. I've, I've good for you, boomerang. Those, but the five blooming onions are not bad. They're not in, and they do cool things. I mean, I love two for one ice skating. I mean, that's awesome. I, who doesn't want to go two for one ice skating? That's sweet. So I'm not downplaying it. I'm saying, if you're going to use that, use it, but you also have to build relationships with your client. So when I talk about five personal touches, I was just talking about one of my, my great agents on my team, Grant, Grant Thompson, shout out Grant, is when you go into our database, he, if you look at a lead, we call it auditing the system and we'll just pick random people. It's almost like, like lottery. We're like, all right, boom, let's pick this person. So Grant, you said this person was a met in your database. Let's take a look and see if they really are. And this gentleman happened to be a oil worker, right? So he was in the oil industry. Um, so when you look at Grant's five personal touches, he had national oil worker day. So this guy gets a card for national and that's a real thing. I didn't know that was a thing. So there's national oil worker day. He also receives a card. He found out during the conversation that the guy loves classic cars. So he's sending him a classic car calendar. That's a personal touch, right? Every year now he can send him a classic car calendar. I mean, that's more than like most people's family send them in the course of one year. Then uh, found out that he's a big sports fan. So Broncos, Broncos calendar, Rockies calendar, that was easy. And then his birthday. 
So those are five personal touches that he has embedded into this system. I mean, you imagine as a client, you receive that and then four phone calls to back it up. When, when Grant makes that phone call to talk to him about either an, an investor seminar or a buyer seminar, uh, something uh, you know about what we're doing, our, we do giveaways a lot. Um, when he talks to him and he just received that calendar, he's gonna be like, oh my gosh, Grant, Like, think about how much easier that call is. Yep. Agents call reluctance is we don't call because we haven't done anything worth a darn to call about. <laughs> so why would you call, right? You're like, you're like, I, I have big goals this year. Can you help me buy or sell real estate? Like that's tough. And, and that's what they used to classically train. And that'll still work. Think about how crazy that is. That'll still work. But if you get into relationships, so for us, we know for every 100 METs, meaning METs in our database, using that, that terminology, that 33 touch, that you produce at minimum $200,000 in revenue for every 100 METs, right? Uh, and, and excuse me, in profit, not in revenue. And so it's not only about the money, it's also knowing that there is a formula. And the formula is take care of people, get personal with them, make them know that you care about them and actually care about them, and the money will come. Yeah. I think sometimes we think so much about internet leads and we've got to you know, have 65 Facebook leads and then how can we process that using artificial intelligence? I always say that's great. When you've run out of exhausting your Mets, right? When you, when you yeah. have, you know, and it's what kind of business do you want to run? For years, my business was built around hunting, 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 expireds for sale by owners. And I turned and burned. I was like, boom, sold and never called them back. Boom, sold, never sent, you know, didn't care. I probably lost millions of dollars from how stupid I was because my arrogance level was so high because I was really good at one thing making phone calls and hunting and converting listing appointments, which, which will get you very far, but you want to have that balance of both. So the, the circle of life continues, right? I was, I was just shooting them and letting them die. There was, there was no fertilizer replanting or anything. And, and that also got exhausting. It was a very shallow way to run a real estate business. So now I'm the nurture guy who, who would have thought? <laughs> do you have um, an estimated budget for how much you, you guys spend or as a team or individually um, a, for each client yep. per year? So, so that's why a great question is, so we use the, the ideal of $33 for 33 touches. And it doesn't always work out to a dollar a touch. Remember, the digital ones are you know, automatic unless you're paying for an outside company. If you don't have it through the company you work for, you can also do your market stats through your MLS. I, I tell people on the cheap until you can afford a, a company that does really pretty ones or if you're going to partner with a lender and do like HomeBot or something like that, uh, you can just do market reports through your MLS monthly and give them active under contract sold in a radius of their home. That's nice. What client's not going to want that, right? That's a nice feature that you could do today for no money. But we try to use $33 per client per year as that baseline. Um, so that's, that's how we gauge it. So our rule is to count it as a met, you have to be willing to spend $33. You have to be willing to spend the effort to put them on 33 touches. And you have to truly, truly believe in your heart of hearts that they would buy or sell real estate with you or refer somebody to you. And that's our, our overlay. If you can't hit those three gauged uh, parameters, then they're a haven't met, right? Then the haven't met is somebody that's in a targeted group that you're marketing to 12 times a year, once a month, that you're trying to get to raise their hand and then take the eight by eight bridge over to 33 touch land and then market to them the rest of their life until they say no or screw off. 
Love it. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, it's a great question. How important do you think that this is right now with what's going on with Zillow and the like stroke that the real estate community is having right now <laughs> about all of this? So it's it's interesting. Like I feel like, um, and we've talked about this on our show before. There's very few men naturally who nurture business like that. So it does seem to be like the men are more driven towards online lead generation and really cool, shiny things to convert those. And the women naturally, I think just because naturally we're nurturers are more sphere-based, but you know, like, how do you, how do you get people to get off the bad habit of online lead gen right now, given everything that's happening? I mean, it's not a bad lever or vertical to have in your business, but it's changing. Right. It is. And it's not only the internet lead game that's changing. It's also the call game, right? Before when I used to make phone calls, I, people would answer the phone mm -hmm. that day has now passed. I mean, it is so hard and even using dialers, Vulcan seven mojo, using all these technologies we have, it's very difficult to get people to answer the phone. So the aha for us really was looking at the amount of time and effort we were spending going after people that were crazy, meaning internet leads, versus the time and effort and money off of people that I'd like to have over for dinner. And I had to have that light bulb go off, you know, to understand that and go, I'd rather have a business that, that I enjoy doing every day. And really when you run the numbers, so if you run numbers, and, and I, I do this with, with, with my clients all the time, if you take a look at the average internet lead, let's just say that Zillow, for example, is $200 per lead. Some areas right now, it's, it's $450. Uh, you know, the cheapest ones I've seen are like you know, Arkansas for like $120 or something like that. Um, but when you look at those leads overall, think about it like this. If I needed to, to uh, purchase 100 Zillow leads, right? So let's just say I bought 100 Zillow leads. And we know online internet conversion averages about 6%. Well, if I'm looking at the cost of what it's going to cost to do that or spend $33 to market to 100 people that know me, like me, and hopefully love me, the cost is, and, and even also having haven't nets, right? Because you need to so, still feed the database, right? I always tell people, uh, if I owned a great restaurant, I couldn't only serve my family. I would have to bring new people into the restaurant and then hopefully they would want to come back and become family. And I try to think of that same mentality as far as my business is, you know, some people just only want to feed their family. So you also have agents that lean too far to the other side, Lindsay, where they go, all I want to do is work with people that like me and I'm not going to mess with anything else. Mm -hmm. So then that starts to dry up and you see the roller coaster and then you see people lose their mind because they're, their buddy listed with their sister. And then you lose that friendship and you hate them and you, you send them, you know, mean text which, you know, that's what happens, right? You're like, damn it, Sally, you really screwed me over. You're dead to me, Sally. You're dead to me, Sally. Yeah, and then you can't go to the club at your golf course anymore because you can't see her, it's awkward, all of that. Because everything was so tied into one little bucket. So to, to answer your question in a, in a clear path, it's or diversification. I look at leads like a pie chart, right? You got a pie chart. And if you just took that pie chart and cut a, you know, a big uh, plus sign across it, so you got four quarters in that pie chart. You want to have one quarter probably be, be internet leads, right? That's great. You want to have one quarter be internet leads. One quarter you want from your targeted mailer group, which is going to be your farm, right? In any sense of better than that, your niche, right? Whatever your niche is. You want one quarter to come from networking. 
So, so this would be, you know, you at um, barbecues, cocktail parties, this would be chamber of commerce, this would be charity. Charity is a huge piece for us. We tie that into our win-win scenario. And then the last, uh, the last quarter that you'd want to have there would be hunting, right? You've got to still hunt, whether it's door knocking, open houses, uh, phone calls, or some sort of hunting. What usually happens is agents just stay in one quadrant. And when that happens, when the market goes one way or the other, something weird goes wrong, then they're in trouble. So it's, it's just like everything. You've got to have a portfolio that makes sense that you can be covered. I know people that are spending $50,000, $60,000 a month on Zillow leads, right? 60000 I go, what? You know, and I go, that's, that's, you know, but they make X amount of money. They have, they do 3,000 sales and they go, yeah, I'm never stopping that, right? Like until Zillow kicks me out. We can't hate on that person, right? You can go, well, you're destroying your own industry. That, that person is making a million dollars feeding his family and spending 500 grand to his charity or whatever it is. Hey, he's playing the game that was laid out for him or her. They're playing the game that's laid out for them. Now, if that's his sole purpose of business, that's where it gets scary. Because then if they go, leads are now $900 or now leads are shut off and we're doing by referral only and it's 30% and we send you the lead. Uh, there's, there's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. People way smarter, unfortunately, I'm not saying you guys aren't smart, way smarter than me are figuring out ways to make sure that they're getting their unfair share because they know agents will work for nothing. Certain agents. So they're going, can I dumb this down? Uh, the movie I always refer to as The Founder right? If the, the McDonald's movie, if you haven't seen the founder on Netflix, go check it out, watch it a couple times. It'll really start to set in. They took something that they said is impossible to make fast food, right? And they said, Hey, we're going to be able to do this. And then with innovation, they go, the biggest thing about that whole movie is the, the ketchup squirter. When there was no such thing, you had to like lay ketchup on a bun with like a knife. Think about the game changer of the ketchup squirter. When you squirt that on a bun, it changed the entire game. That's what Zillow is trying to do is take away the butter knife and, the, and you having to do this manually. And so that innovation is going to continue to progress over time. And there'll be somebody out there that'll do it for five bucks an hour. That's the scary part. So if we don't have tight relationships where my client goes, well, I could do it with Zillow for five bucks or Brendan is my best buddy. And, and, and I really, you know, I just, I was just over at his house for, you know, X, Y, Z. That's the battle for middle earth is we've got to win the client relationship. Then automation won't hurt us as much. It's still going to hurt. Innovations has changed everything over time. I mean, that's always going to change. If you asked an agent uh, 20 years ago, how many, or if you were looking at how many agents sold over 50 houses, it was like one in the country sold over 50 houses 20 years ago. Now, if you don't sell over 50, you're like, oh, you don't sell 50 houses, <laughs> right? It's like, I'm sorry, what? Because of automation, technology, leverage, and automation changed that ability to be able to be in 50 places at once. So you kind of touched on my question. You kind of led into it. It triggered when you said phone calls are a no-go anymore. And I figured that out a couple of years ago. So I started to text. And now texting is starting to even be a thing of the past. People don't even respond to texts anymore, let alone a Facebook message anymore. So that kind of led me into the whole Zillow thing and what you see with the future. 
of real estate. And for me, and what I'm seeing is, is when I first got into real estate, I picked up the phone. I was calling expired. I was calling for sell buyers. That's, that was my business. Now we're nothing but referral, past client, all that type of stuff right now. Um, so I know you said that we're looking to be competing with Zillow. So is that what you see our future is Zillow's going to have that agent that makes $30,000 a year to an agent who refuses to work with Zillow? Is that what you're seeing? Yep, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you look at Redfin and their play to do that. Redfin created a really popular website and spent a lot of money making sure that their website comes up organically all the time. And then said, let's pay agents salary $50,000 a year and lower the, the customer service level to no offense, Redfin agents to about zero. And, you know, you know, if you call somebody after six o'clock at Redfin, they're like, I'm sorry. Well, there's nothing. There's just call me tomorrow. Right. And we know 90% of real estate happens from five o'clock to midnight. Right. And so that service level, they go, there's certain people that are going to be okay with getting bucket level, bottom of the bucket level service. And that just wants somebody to go open doors for them. I mean, remember, does anybody remember assisted cell? Like when assisted cell came out, people were like, yes. oh, yeah, we were like, oh, no, no, you know? And it's like, how many people do you know? When's the last time you lost a listing to assisted cell? Right. So these things, no offense, assisted cell agents, sorry, but you're, you know, it, it, whatever, right? Those fades come, those things are going to come and go. The, 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 the different companies that are going to try to do this. The difference with what Zillow is doing is they're trying to control all the data. So they're also buying home inspection companies. They're buying, basically in the future, every house will have like a Carfax, right? So think about Carfax for your car. Now there'll be that same exact experience for a home because Zillow will have every log of every home inspection that's happened over a 10, 15 year period. So when they go, great, you get to work with one of our preferred agents, AKA we get a 40% cut on the backside. You get all of this additional data to make sure that you have a tech enabled agent that is the, the most sophisticated out there. So that's the battle is the data collection and data manipulation um, game. And then how can we get people to do it for five, $10 an hour and lower the level of service just enough where the client doesn't get pissed off, right? You've got a McDonald's experience or you've got a Capitol Grill experience. Both of them serve beef. Well, maybe McDonald's doesn't serve beef. I don't know what that is, right? We hope both of them serve beef, right? <laughs> but very different experiences. So that'll, there'll always be a client that wants Capital, uh, Capital Grill or whatever restaurant you think is a nice restaurant uh, uh, experience, but there's plenty of people that get by on McDonald's and they'll be fine with it. So tell me what... What would you tell those agents? Because exactly what you're saying right now, my husband is my partner. He's been saying that for the past three to five years. He's been saying that same exact thing. What do you say to an agent who doesn't get that? A seasoned agent who's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on real estate using Zillow. What do you say to that agent who doesn't get it? Yeah, well, well, the answer is twofold is, Number one, that agent that doesn't get it about the internet lead uh, game, it hasn't really affected them yet. It, it won't probably for a while. They're probably safe for another couple of years. It's not gonna, it's not gonna happen overnight. There wasn't a thousand McDonald's year one. It started to creep up, and then all of a sudden, 
you couldn't not you couldn't go ten feet without seeing one. So it will start to to go over time. My message to that person would be, again, what kind of business do you want to have, right? Do you want to have repeat referral and not? You know, I've been in internet listing appointments where you know again attacked by animals, but that could happen at anybody's house. But I've been on ones where like. I'm scared for my life. Like I've been, there's been guns laying, drugs laying on the table. Uh, guy, you know, shows up, you know, high as I mean, could be on not, you know, you know, legal things or well, depending where you're at, legal things. And I was scared, right? Instead of being able to walk in and go, "Hey, John, Susie, how are you guys doing? Oh, good to see you. Oh my gosh, well, excellent." And then you just go and you start having a conversation that actually matters and that they care about. That, that is, that is. So again, I always tell people, you can sell porta potties and make a lot of money. Is that the business you want to be in? There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it, it just has to relate to you, you know? So, so yeah, it's, but we're never going to convince anybody because it's crack cocaine, right? Like you get a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I know people right now, even newer agents that go, first thing they come in, they go, as soon as you make enough money, start buying Zillow leads and then you'll be fine. Well, the backside of that is you're in this uh, endless uh, hamster wheel because you buy the internet lead, you process it, you have to do all this stuff with Zillow to play their Zillow game to do all of these things with their, their system to get better algorithms and buy more zip codes and they kind of suck you into this. Well, behind the scenes, you haven't built a regular business and therefore you can't. So you're always dependent, right? You can't get off the, the, the crack because you need it to stay alive. And that scary part of when you go, I have to get off of it, which happened to my team. I was on the crack. I was, I was strung out. I was, I was just, I was, I was in Vegas and just, you know, woo, right. I was strung out. And I said to myself, I, blow on Zillow leads, <laughs> is what you're saying right now. <laughs> 1000% because, because it's just an, it, it, first of all, the, the problem with agents too, is we're addicted. Everything in our world is produced around how many units you produce. You know, there's not an award for who has the best uh, client care database. I wish there was, right? Or there's not an award at my brokerage who has the highest five-star Zillow reviews in the entire office. It's you're ranked first, second, or third by units. So people will sacrifice money, net profit, and quality of life for units. And I was one of those people. I wanted to just, I was like, I gotta beat up everybody. If I don't win, I'm, I'm a loser. And I was so in my head because I was, I was very, I'm very competitive. And yeah, you just want to beat people. I see people, they'll cut you over a half of a percentage of difference if you get their award wrong, which again, as a brokerage owner, you will learn, right? Don't get, don't screw with somebody's award. They will cut you, right? Like, like, and they were like, I had two referrals. That was a quarter of a deal. You didn't count. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. Um, it's it's right? And so that's the hard part. We're set up for that level of competition. So you'll, you'll make less, buy Zillow leads and get on this hamster wheel because you want units, 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 where you could sell 10 homes, probably make double the guy that's doing Zillow units and not hate your life. So I feel like, and you know what, the rumor mill is running and like their opinions are all over the place. But like, I feel like if Zillow is going to do something, it's probably going to create the eventual death or paralyzation at least of the buyer's agent. So um, for agents who are heavy, heavy with buyers and haven't figured out what is the benefit of being a listing agent yet or are overwhelmed by it or have no idea how to do it, 
what advice do you have for them? How do you move from being buyer heavy in the beginning of your career to being a powerful listening agent? And, and Lindsay, that's the tough part because there's also this stigma in our head that we're supposed to work for buy, with buyers for a certain amount of years until we've earned our stripes to start doing listings. And the, the hard part about that is, is the newer agents or any agents, I know agents in my office, we, we did this uh, audit of our office. We have 230 phenomenal agents in our office. We audited it to see how many agents in our office had closed over 10 listings. There was seven in one year. Seven out and check your own brokerages. It'll, it'll shock you because you think like you don't pay attention to it, right? You're like, oh, everybody takes listings. No, there are six or seven people in your office that take a, a more than 10 listings uh, um, a year, guaranteed. And so what we realized is people do very well off of these buyer situations and all that, but they don't focus enough on learning the craft. And it is a craft of having a listing presentation. So it would be like me telling you, hey, I want you to get up and hit a fastball against a professional major league baseball player. And you've never even swung the bat except for a couple of times when you were seven years old. You get up there, this guy throws a 99 mile fastball and you, you pee your pants. Cause you, yeah, you're like, I'm gonna die. Well, I don't get how we think that there should be any difference when you go on a listing presentation, when you're representing one of the, the biggest assets a person might have in their entire life with hundreds of thousand dollars at stake. We go, we don't practice CMAs. We don't practice presentations. We don't practice objection handlers. We don't practice. We don't get, we don't do enough neighborhood research. You know, you know, we have to learn about the neighborhoods that all of this. So I think that's the, 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 answer is you have to do the pre-work and that's the hard part. So how do you do that? Where do you do that spring training? Right. And that's where, again, you need to be aligned with either a mentor, a coach, uh, a team that you can do it. And the sad part right now, as you guys know, too, is there's teams and then there's an agent that has too many leads that figured out a way to buy a lot of leads that wants to give them to someone and, and take half their commission. Those are two different, very different worlds, right? And then people go, teams are a ripoff. I just got screwed. This guy, you know, this guy or gal brought me on my team and you get this bad stigma for it. But you need, if I wouldn't have learned from my mentor for a year and a half and then another year of being on her team, I, 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 I probably would still be doing 10 or 15 deals. Not that there's anything wrong with that. A year at that point, um, because I wouldn't have understood the business at the level I needed to. And she was a Mike Ferry trained agent. So our office was very old school Mike Ferry. This was like when phone calls were like smile and dial. And we didn't, and, and again, we had two phones because they didn't even have uh, dialers at that time. So we'd pick up one and then dial the other, pick up one. And it was like a wolf on wall street culture. We had sound rooms that you would go in and just light up the phones. That doesn't exist really anymore. We still tell people to prospect, but when you're prospecting right now, the saturation of agent to one possible expired is so massive that now you have to deploy a different game. You either have to go door knock them and make an in-person, you know, face to face, which COVID also made very difficult. Then you, or you have to have a direct mail strategy. So you're capturing the expireds over a year instead of I'm going to be the first one that hits them every morning. Right. You can still do that and have okay success. I mean, we close expireds, you know, you know, quite often, but it's because of our back game of building the relationship with that expired that I think makes us win, not the one shot, one kill. So my advice and a long answer there, and I apologize about that, is 
we have to train behind the scenes to be a listing master, right? So, so again, we have scripts and dialogues for free. You know, if you want to go to brendanbardic.com, check out our script books. Like you first have to get the language down. I tell every agent, we have live role play every day from 12 to 1230. Uh, on Thursdays, we have a game show environment where everybody can join us across the country. We have people from every company across the country that joins to sharpen their blade once a week on objections, conversations, not only about how to get the appointment, but what happens when you have an amazing listing and the buyer agent asks for 65 objection items. And you have to go to that seller who is in a high demand market right now, which we all are. And they go, screw them. I'm not doing anything. I hope yeah. you're scripted. If you want to play this, if you want to, you know, a help your client and B make your life not painful. Cause I watch a lot of agents go, okay, I'll get back to them. They go cancel that offer, go through this rigmarole 16 times because they don't know how to have fierce conversations with their client because they're scared, mm -hmm. right? Or, or they're not practiced or they're not polished. So, People think role plays just for like cold callers. Like I got a role play for cold calls. Like, no role play is it's better to sweat in practice than bleed in battle. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think uh, it's, it's right in front of my, my board here every day. Right. Mm -hmm. It's better to sweat in practice than bleed in battle. And people are like, that's very aggressive. Like, I don't want to go into battle. It's like, it's obviously just an idea. Like calm down. But you are. I mean, we were talking about Jess and I were talking about this the other day. This is like, war in the streets right now <laughs> as much as a white girl from you know a middle class neighborhood is going to get war in the streets that's what's happening right now so it is. And, and, and that's the difficult part is so, so first step, we got to train behind the scenes. Um, our morning mastery, I, I tell everyone, if you want to become a top producing listing specialist, what changed my life was controlling my morning. So a couple of tidbits for us, we never in our organization schedule an appointment before 12 o'clock ever ever. I don't care. Buyer appointment, inspection, closing, doctor's appointment, uh, kids graduation, they're, they're going to have to push it to the afternoon. I'm just kidding. Right? Like there's nothing that happens before 12 o'clock because you have to control your schedule. Otherwise the roller coaster will always continue. Every agent on earth would rather go be at an inspection and stand there and go, than have to sit there and lead gen and make client relationships with their database. Everyone, I, me too, me included. I'm like, oh, stop at Starbucks, go to the inspection, watch this guy basically do you know whatever he does, and then talk to my clients. Sounds that's nice, right? That can happen at one o'clock. It can't happen at ten o'clock in the morning because you'll never get that consistency that you're looking for. Then taking it even earlier to that, you've got to start with your mastery program in the morning. So for us, mastery is an acronym. So every morning, 5 a.m., it's meditation, affirmations, script practice, then uh, two thank you notes of gratitude to our clients, exercise, and then 10 minutes of YouTube. And the 10 minutes of YouTube, if you want to ask one of my things that I think really changed my life is you can learn everything on earth from YouTube. You got to sort through some garbage. But that's where I've learned so much in just a 10 minute. And, and usually I watch YouTube while I'm on the treadmill or, or doing whatever. You really want to up your game. And plus, a lot of times, how much rejection do we all deal with? Every day, usually alternating days on YouTube, it's either Tony Robbins. It's, it's, it's all of these inspirational things because the day before, I just got kicked in the teeth, uh, you know, again and again. So I need to recharge every morning and set that intention for the day. 
I can't do that if I roll out of bed at 7.30, jump on and try to hit an expired. There's just not enough time to get better. So if you want to become and make this transfer, because people go, well, Brendan, I'm just running around with buyers. When am I going to find the time? Go to bed at nine, wake up at five. Yeah. And it sucks. It's not fun. I can tell you. And I, I am a party animal. And, that, and I think Jessica said, we probably met at the bar at, at a conference. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I am insane when it comes, I love having fun because I work hard. And when I, when I have fun, I go hard, hard. So, so I get it. But what I also realize is when I'm in work mode, nothing good happens at nine after nine o'clock at night. There's just nothing there. There's nothing there for me. It's either TV, more cocktails, or I don't know, a, a, a long game of Scrabble, how boring my life is now. Right. Um, <laughs> but but so you have to make that decision. Do I want to be, and I, uh, COVID helped a lot with this because it's not like you're out at the club, right? What are you doing? What could you possibly be doing right now after nine o'clock? So you just have to make that decision and it's not always easy. Yeah. Um, so I only started taking listings about five years ago because Lindsay told me that if I didn't stop working with only buyers, because they were easy at the time, um, that I would be broken on the street in five years. And so thank God um, that Lindsay forced me to start taking listings. Um, the reason why I didn't do listings before um, is because I was afraid. I, was, I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have um, what I perceived to be the confidence that was needed um, to start taking listings. And then I very quickly realized the bar is set like way down here um, for most agents. And just by me giving a shit, I'm like way up here. <laughs> Um, yes. and you know, it probably cost me millions of dollars just not doing it. Um, but the one thing that I do really, really well is something that you do really well. Um, you know, the five personal touch thing, um, throughout the year, I was winning listings without knowing I was winning listings. I didn't, you know, other realtors didn't know there was a competition for the listing because I was winning before it even happened. Um, so my clients wanted to work with me regardless, um, because I was the one that they were seeing month after month um, in their inbox, at their front door um, and all of that. And so I eventually had to learn how to do listings and thank God, um, you know, I had somebody to call and ask, um, which is Lindsay. So, um, and Lindsay takes well, a ton of listings too. Um, and so I learned a ton that way. I I, Kristen, is it, uh, is it 50 Cent or was it Kanye that had the car accident that broke their jaw? Kanye. Okay, so Kanye West of real estate, by the way, because that's what happened to you. So I didn't have a physical problem, but like the downturn and the market crash kicked me in the freaking jaw. And I was like, I never want to see a buyer list again. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Well, well, you start to look at it and you go, do I want to control my time and control my life? Or do I want to run around, you know, 90 hours a week? You know, and, and even more so now it's tough with the buyers, but I always say a balanced uh, business is 60% listings, 40% buyers. And people go, Brendan, I want to be 90% listings. I go, well, not really. You still want to have buyers. You just want to be able to give those buyers to someone else on your team and yep. let the new person get kind of warmed up into real estate because they still need to learn areas. They need to see neighborhoods, client expectations, all of that. Not to say they can't take listings day one. They, they honestly can't with enough practice training and all of that. But remember, buyers, I'm in the mindset is I always get to please the buyer because at the end of the situation, they didn't pay me anything 
thing. I'm a freebie. And they're moving into the thing that they want, which is the new home. On the seller side, the people get so scared and terrified of it is they go, I cost them money, lots, depending upon a certain amount of money. And I have to know, I have to know a lot about this process. I've got to be a marketer. I've got to schedule signs, calls, offers, all of this. It becomes a lot heavier instead of opening doors, showing people and, and, and having great experiences. So, so going back to this, Lindsay uh, or Angela, just remember, like if you back in that time, if we could have broke it down, I break down the listing system or listing presentation into four parts. So we have pre-appointment, at the appointment, at the table, and then the close. And if you can start looking at it as those four subjects and go, if I had to score myself a zero to 10 in each one, where do I score myself right now? Right. So just give your score. You know, if you're looking at right now, those four. So pre-appointment at the appointment at the table, meaning the kitchen table or fireplace, if they don't have furniture or whatever, I've done it. I always make that joke. I've done it on car hoods. I've done it in backyards. I've done it on fire escapes, right? I've done it everywhere. The listing presentation, right? Um, and then the close, right? You could have the best presentation on earth, but I watch people lose thousands of dollars in business because they just won't look the client in the eye and say, all I need is a signature. They just won't do it. It's like, there's like this force field. They're like, oh no, I'm not going to do it. I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And it's like, if you would just ask at the end, but you want to, we're naturally taught to be polite. All right. So what do you guys think? Would that be okay? Um, you know, and you kind of get into that. So, so what we train to is the pre-appointment is you, you really learn how to research properties, research the client. Going back to our Ritz-Carlton, I spend more time researching the person I'm meeting than I do the property. I'm stalker at the next level. Like, don't ever do anything bad to me. I will stalk you to the end of earth, right? And I walk in knowing more about my clients so I can build instant rapport with them, especially cold business. Right. And, and even, even the people that I know well, I want to know everything. So the pre-appointment and pre-listing package, doing a lot of this work ahead of time, what's in your pre-listing package, then at the appointment, right? How we show up, what we wear, what we say, how we scout the neighborhood ahead of time, right? All of those things. Then at the table, net sheets. Angela, you know how many agents actually go over net sheets at a listing presentation? I found this out because I thought everybody did it. I was just like, doesn't everybody go over net sheets? They yeah. were like, they were like, net what? I was like, the net sheet, so the seller knows what they're walking away with. They're like, oh yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I you know, they get it. I'm like, oh, okay, right. So things that that may yeah. seem common sense, but what we practice is a, a very simple thing that I think people should really think about is how do I objection block instead of objection handle? So if I know in every situation I'm going to hear the same things over and over, what do you charge for commission? How much are you going to get for my house? What do you do for marketing? If I cover that in my presentation and they never have to vocalize any of those questions, then I've reduced all of the resistance. They start at high level of resistance, a block, a block, a block. And then at low level of resistance, they just go, they always do this. The, the couple looks at each other and they go, I guess we should just move forward because we. What, what else is there to say? They have nothing left to do but sign. So think about whatever your market is, design your presentation to address those same questions. Instead, people go in and they go, so what do you guys want to list it for? Oh, okay, 500. That sounds about right. Okay, well, uh, and, and it's just painful for you and them. People yeah. want, think about it. I always tell them, like when you've been on vacation, 
if you've ever gone on vacation and had a tour guide, you've had really, really terrible tour guides or like amazing tour guides. So you were like, oh my God, this is like the most fun I've ever had. Two very different experiences. I want, what we really want and we want to pay for is have someone guide us to this beautiful hidden island that no one knows about called get my house sold for the most money and I don't have to deal with it land, right? That's, that's what we want, right? That's, that's all I really want. The people that are really good at that make the most money. I can't even, I can't even tell you how many times I have won a listing because one, I asked for them to sign the listing agreement and two, I showed them the net sheet. I, it kind of like offended me. Like they're the first couple of times they're like, we're going with you because you asked for our signature. And I'm like, well, what about the rest? Like, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> you're like, that's all I had to do. Right. Like, like what about can oh, I see my amazing brochure here? Like, yeah. come on. But yeah, that like, that shocked me. Like the first like handful of times that that happened to me, I'm like, that's what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to ask for that. Why are you not? And it's totally shocking to me. Yeah, because you you you're anticipating any concern, so there's nothing left to really talk about, right? That's that's the beauty of a great you know they always say a great presentation. People also ask me, Brendan, well, how did you get to to this level or whatever you know to to be able to do this at a high level? I studied every book on interviewing. I tell people all the time, you want to get weird? Like there's 50 books out there on how to be a good interviewee right? And that's all we do. We interview for jobs as professional real estate agents. So I studied every book on that and you learn all of these things, right? I always say, if you were going on a million dollar job interview for the greatest job on earth, how would you prepare? Some people don't, they roll out of bed and believe me, I interview a lot of people for our organization. I'm like, oh my gosh. Right. Right. And, and you're just like, they just show up. They show up late. They've got some jelly on their shirt. Hair's all busted. Face is all, you know, you know, whatever. And then they're like, yeah. And so I'm here for the job. Well, no, what, what, like, what did you expect? Then they do a terrible interview. Don't follow up with me afterwards. No handwritten, no card, no phone call, text, you know, whatever it is. And especially if you're a, a, a person of high professional standards, you you get irritated by that, right? That, that is something that you go, that is against my fiber as a, as a standard for me professionally. It's like somebody comes over to dinner. I get mad people come over to dinner just out there if you ever come to my house. If you don't send me an email, a text or a note saying, thanks for having us over, you're dead to me. Like you're just dead to me, right? Like you're dead to me. Like, I'm like, that just seems so rude to me in, in so many aspects. Like you came over, ate my food, drank all my drink, you know, played on my ping pong table. And you don't, you can't even send me a nice thank you note. Like what? <laughs> so how is it different with listings, right? How should it be any different? We get to in our head that it's just, we forget that it's, it's, it's a relationship. It's, it's building rapport and having common sense with people to reduce resistance, to get to the happy ending. That's all it is. So when the market is phenomenal like this and it, you know, bull market makes everybody look like a genius. Is it more important or less important to continue reading, sharpening your skill, learning, role-playing? Well, it's, it, it's even more important now because more than ever, because right now I'm, I'm watching agents for the first time have no closings in January. And I'm talking agents that I know are killers and they're not because 
you can't, unless they build more inventory, what are we supposed to do? So the amount of available clients is so little right now, the saturation of agents is at its highest level. So it's not only about, yes, if you go get a listing right now, will it sell? More than likely, unless it's some weird, bizarre situation. But take this, yesterday, uh, you know, first of the month expires, uh, here in Denver Front Range, there was 56 of them with phone numbers. Still, there's a, there's about 260 total that we couldn't find data for or whatever it is, 56 with phone numbers. So homes are still coming off the market because mm-hmm. again, either client expectation was not right, home was insane, or something happened in there in between. But to talk about the skills that we need to sharpen is twofold is I see agents wasting thousands of hours of their life writing 62 offers with a buyer that's not going to be able to buy in that price point. That's the difference between an objection and a condition. I can't make an FHA buyer compete in a cash market. There's nothing I can do with that. I'm going to keep trying, but go. I'm like, well, then good luck being poor because it's not going to happen. You know, go ahead, Kristen. You guys remember back in the day in the bank owned days when like a buyer, I don't know if you guys ever dealt with this, when a buyer would come to you and say, oh, I got approved to 350. And in the MLS, you would show up to 400 because you knew you could talk them down or, yes. you know what I mean? Yes. Now, now with buyers, I'm like, oh, you're approved to 350. Great. We're going to look in the 300 range. <laughs> if that. If, if that, I mean, even at 300, you'd probably be tough in some areas, depending upon your area. So yeah, to answer your question, Lindsay, it's like sharpening the skills is you have to be right now, excellent at building relationships with your database. You have to be excellent at making sure you set expectations with buyers. So I do a lot of buyer agent training right now. And they're like, but Brendan, you love listings. No, remember 60, 40, right? buyers, I just watch people working so inefficiently with them from the setup, right? Your buyer consultation, you're set up to fail because they go, here's my dream. And you go, I'm going to get you that dream. And then you start going, well, that dream, they don't live in the same planet, right? You've got caviar dreams on a, on a Fritos budget, that, that it's just not going to happen. And our inability to have difficult or fierce conversations limit us from talking to the buyers about that. Can you spitball some books that you would recommend for agents who are struggling this stuff right now? So obviously fierce conversations is like the book, but anything else <laughs> that you would recommend for people that want to know more about having these difficult talks right now? Yeah. So, so, um, when, when we look at it, I'll take it away from a book, Lindsay, to the aspect because there's books on negotiation. And I mean, I mean, Trump's got a book on the art of the negotiation, you know, and, and nothing against Trump, you know, it, it, I, you know, great marketer, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm just going to shut up now. So, so, you know, with, with that, there's a lot of books out there. It's live practice, Lindsay. Like, like if you want to get good at these conversations, show up for role play. If you don't have role play in your office, you have to force it and you'll, you'll find a role play partner and then they'll show up. It's like a gym partner and then they'll won't show up. And then three days later, they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if this is really helping me much, you know, whatever. It's, it's just like that. That's why we offer it. And if you, if you at your office, you just have to commit to it. 
I'm so much better at conversations because of practicing with others. For me, it was every morning at 7.30 to 7.45, I'd have a role play partner every day of the week, a different one. I had one, you know, partners in Canada, it's also getting weird, I had partners in Canada, partners in the South, uh, partners all over the country. Then also then at 12 to 12.30, we theme it. So Mondays are more appointment Mondays. Everything's about setting appointments. Tuesday, technical Tuesday, everything contract related. And that's where you win or lose a lot of the money, right? Um, Thursdays, it's like a game show battle. Like we, we go, we go competition against objection handlers. And then Friday is called freestyle Fridays where we, we try not to use scripts and just freestyle. And you hear these things and you go, Oh, that's where I should have turned left on that last one. And I turned right and got smacked in the head. Right. I always look at that and it's like, Oh, just like a wide receiver. They watch game film, right? They watch film and they go, you should have turned here and you turned there. And that's why, you know, the quarterback got sacked practice would be more important to me than any book out there. You got to show up though. And you got to, I tell people this too, you got to show up and get weird, right? You people just get real shy on role play. Like, please, please, please don't call on me. Don't call on me. Don't call on me. And I get that. But imagine sweat in practice, or do you want to bleed in battle? I'd rather get funky and weird in a role play with a bunch of goofy realtors than have to go into the outside world and get annihilated. So if people want to learn how to sweat and practice with you, where do they go to find your scripts or where do they go to find your coaching? Yeah. So go to the, the private Facebook group. So Brendan Bardick Real Estate Coaching. Uh, we've got an amazing community there. All of the, the links, the Zooms, everything are posted, if not weekly to, to show you where to go. Uh, from 12 to 1230, we do role play uh, Mountain Standard Time. And then from 1230 to 1, I do Price Like a Pro. So I take all of your questions about how to list property, how to price property, what it, what's the difference if it's on the ninth floor versus the fourth floor. Brendan, I've got this listing coming up and I can't figure it out. You can send me your CMA. I'll review your CMA and try to help you understand what the pricing can Because Lindsay, the other thing we learned is, Woo, pricing? We could spend a whole nother hour on that. Like, oh my gosh, I, on my own team, I'll do this. We'll do it all the time. I'll send out a property to, to 10, 12 agents on my team you will get a scale of $150,000 in range of what they think that price should be. And I'm not saying I'm the Oracle. What I try to do is go, the sellers decide the price. We help them decide on how not to be insane, right? <laughs> <laughs> like that's all we really do, right? They still get the decision. We're just helping guide them from a place of crazy town to normal town. So, so yeah, that, so join us there. So, and then brendanbardic.com, you can download the, uh, the script book for free, right? This will have every script, dialogue, conversation, every objection handler that you could possibly need. They're all the same ones over time. And once you get smooth at them, it's like this Rolodex in your brain just goes, do, 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 do. Oh, bloop. I'm supposed to say this, do, 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 bloop. And then it just gives you the ability to listen to what they're saying. That's all scripts are there for. So you don't have to think about what to say so you can listen to them. So we'll link all that um, in the show notes for people that are listening. Do you coach privately if people wanted that? Yeah, yeah. So we have one-on-one. -on -one. So if you go to brandonbarks.com, it has uh, uh, all of our uh, different offerings. Um, for my one-on-one, -on -one, I'm, I'm, I have a wait list right now, and I'm not trying to sound douchey. Uh, that sounds douchey. <laughs> I don't know. So, so the answer is yes, but, but there is a wait list. Um, our EPS, our Elite Progression Series, is probably the most powerful course that I've designed. It's everything I do in one-on-one, -on -one, but in a group setting. And we talk about these fundamentals we talked about today. It's just, it's a science, Lynn. You know, that, that's all this is, and it's 
it's habit stacking. It's A plus B, but a lot of people go A to F and then they forget the middle and then they go, I don't know why I'm still going on this roller coaster. Well, you miss several letters in there that we got to get good at. So that's what we do. Well, you're a beast. Well, that's nice. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) No, this was really fun. Great question. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you guys are out there in the streets. You see this, right? I think that's why what you're doing here is so powerful is, is making people understand that there is, there is a right and wrong way to do it, but it's still got to be your way and be client centric at the end of it all. Right. I think we can all agree on that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. My pleasure. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.